there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, we go back to San Antonio, Texas. Canelo Alvarez, another dominant performance, this time over Callum Smith. Mike Coppinger was there. I was there. We break down that fight and what could be next for the pound-for-pound king. A little bit later on, Demetrius Andrade, 160-pound title holder. He is still eyeballing those big fights. Will it be Billy Joe Saunders? Could it be Gennady Golovkin? And what about his mandatory Liam Williams? Is that a fight that Andrade is going to take if the other big fights don't materialize? Finally, Jojo Diaz, 130-pound champion. He recently had a fight announced for February, but there's been a lot of chatter around Jojo the last six months. What about his fight with Tevin Farmer? Is he still interested in a rematch with Farmer? And how does he see himself fitting into the mix of the other 130-pound title holders? As always, best way to support this podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, Mike Coppinger is here, senior writer with The Athletic. He was ringside with me this past weekend in San Antonio, Texas for Canelo Alvarez's uh, tremendous victory over Callum Smith. Uh, Mike, let's let's start there with the fight itself. I'd heard you with Eddie Hearn prior to the fight, you know, effectively saying, like, look, Canelo's a massive favorite in this fight. He should win convincingly. Did he win even more convincingly than you thought he did? Yeah, shockingly, yes. I, I did expect it to be quite easy, but I thought Callum Smith would, you know, 
at least threatened to win a round here, a round there. I gave Callum Smith one round, and that might have been generous of me, honestly, looking back. I think Canelo Alvarez, at this point, there is no question he's the best fighter in the world. And farther than that, the gap between him and the second best on the list is just, I think it's a, it's a country mile at this point. If you're saying Terrence Crawford is better than Canelo Alvarez, you're not watching the same sport as the rest of us. What do you think Callum Smith did wrong in this fight? I mean, he's six foot three and didn't use his jab anywhere near as often as he should have or as he had to do to let you know Canelo uh, to, to to keep Canelo off him. I mean, was that a, a byproduct of Canelo just being great, as Callum suggested afterwards, or was Callum just? I mean, did he just blow it in a way? I thought that he wasn't jabbing much because every time he did, I saw Canelo counter him with the right hands, either over the top of the jab or to the body. And that pretty much discouraged him from throwing it too much. I think the big strategic error he made, and I think a lot of us saw this coming in, is you can't lay on the ropes against Canelo Alvarez, especially if you have an eight-inch height advantage. And that's and he was on the rope so often that he actually had rope burn on his back. Like, <laughs> you saw it, right? There was a yeah. big red mark on his back from laying on the ropes. And he wasn't even doing – this is not James Tony. He wasn't doing anything effective off the ropes. He's laying on there, and he's getting pummeled. And Canelo, like Oscar, his former best friend, he's really good at throwing those flashy combinations that really catch the attention of the judges. Yeah, his, his back had those red marks on him, and his left arm was covered in red marks and was swollen, the result of what we think is a ruptured bicep or a detached bicep in that arm. And I thought Callum Smith said something interesting after the fight where he said – you know, he felt that Canelo was targeting that arm, that what happened to that arm is exactly what Canelo intended intended to have happened to that arm. And I got to tell you, I've been thinking about it. I have, I mean, I know guys hit fighters on the arm, but I've never really even heard of a fighter doing that intentionally to cause, you know, a, whether it's a ruptured tendon or just damage in and of itself. I, I never heard of a fighter doing that. Did you, I mean, what was your reaction to Callum kind of saying like, this is what Canelo wanted to do? It made sense to me because Canelo is such a smart fighter. There's nothing I could pass him at this point. I do recall one fight where this happened. I don't remember which fight it was. The years ago on HBO, I have to go back and ask one of the uh, boxing nerds. But um, <laughs> Canelo was, yeah, I, I saw Canelo talking to Callum in the 12th round, and I saw something on social media that Canelo was asking him, hey, your arm is sore, huh? Uh, I think it actually might have been a triceps now. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think I saw that he was having surgery on it. But look, he could have had... Canelo could have had two injuries. It wasn't going to matter who was healthy, who wasn't. This was guys on two different levels, two different playing fields. The question I have is who is out there, if anyone, who can even threaten to beat Canelo Alvarez? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just imagine the brilliance of a fighter to think, like, right, part of your strategy is that you're just going to ruin the left arm of your opponent. I mean, that really, it really is impressive to, to think about how that can be part of Canelo and Eddie Reynoso's uh, strategy there. But to your point about... You know who's out there? I mean, the of course, as often happens after it's a blowout win, the was Callum Smith any good is now in the water supply. Uh, clearly, he's not great by any stretch. But coming into this fight, whether you thought he was going to win or not, he had an argument that he was the number one 168 pounder in the world. He had a legitimate title. He was undefeated. He had good size. He had good power. I, I mean, I don't know that there was an opponent that would have been a better choice. Now, certainly Golovkin would have been more appealing at that time, but look, Golovkin himself had made it clear he didn't want to fight Canelo Alvarez before the pandemic hit. He wanted 
that fight against Camille Zarameta. It wasn't Canelo saying no to Golovkin this time. That was 2019 when Canelo said no to Gennady Golovkin. This time around, it was Golovkin taking a pass on it. So if you go down the list, I don't know, Mike. I, I like Billy Joe Saunders. I think it's probably the same type of outcome. I like Caleb Plant. I think it might be exactly the same type of outcome. You go down to the 160s, they're not in Canelo's class right now. I don't think there's anyone out there that would have put on a substantively better performance than Callum Smith. I agree. There really is no one out there. Gennady Golovkin at this point, like, come on, the guy's going to be 39 in April. Do we really think he's going to give Canelo the same kind of fights? Canelo Alvarez is not the same fighter who fought Golovkin either, in my opinion. I mean, this guy has shown so many more weapons and tricks in his book. The, the, the head movement. I mean, I was so impressed, by the way. Any time seemed to land a flush shot, Canelo Alvarez was able to ride that shot by turning his head with it. Uh, I was talking to the Smith brothers at the hotel afterward, and they were blown away too. These were the same guys, as you know, along with Demetrius Andrade, uh, who were saying, hey, Canelo, you know, he's not that good. He's a little overrated. And then once you get in the ring with him, I mean, this guy is just now hitting his peak. I don't know if he's even hit his peak yet. I mean, this is, he's what, 30 years old now? Look at, look at all the Hall of Fame fighters he's fought. Yeah, and to, to your point, Mike, about, how he rides those punches. I brought this up during the broadcast because you you saw it happen. For me, it happened the first time against Jacobs. Jacobs landed this one massive punch on Canelo, but then you watch the replay and Canelo sees it coming and turns with it. So it mitigates the power from it. He did that a couple of times against Callum Smith. There's not a lot of fighters in boxing that have that type of skill. I mean, that is a, I don't want to call it unique, but it's a tremendous asset for him. And that's high level stuff. You know, that's the kind of stuff we saw Bernard Hopkins do all the time. James Tony, Boyd Mayweather. There aren't a lot of guys out there like those three in boxing today. I think Canelo is in a class of his own. And it's amazing that we still have people on social media. I know you see it saying, oh, he's not that good. And then they go to, he's a cheater. Look, this is my thing on the cheating and the doping accusations and whatever you want to call it. Whether, whether or not you believe his alibi with the tainted meat, I don't think there's any fighter in boxing in a sport that doesn't take PED seriously that is completely clear of suspicion. I can't say this guy is clear and this guy's not. I think we need to stop with that. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know about you, but I tend to give fighters one mulligan. You know, if they test positive once and they say it's because of something, I tend to give, as long as it's not like, you know, Jarrell Miller with three positive tests. Like it's, you know, if, but if it's one thing, and there's a plausible explanation for it, and they're not, they haven't been accused of this stuff before, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If it happens to Canelo again, I mean, all bets are off. But for this time, I agree with you. I think the cheating stuff may be a little bit overblown, in part because you're right, nobody is above suspicion. To to, to address the idea of him being pound for pound, uh, I want to play my argument, part of it, with Demetrius Andrade, who is an elite fighter, but he had some choice things to say about Canelo Alvarez. I'm not going to say he is like the pound for pound guy yet because he hasn't fought all the top guys yet, like myself. Caleb Plant is out there. <laughs> I'm always going to play. Like, let's go, Canelo. I'm not going to sit there and go to the ropes and not throw punches. I'm going to fight Canelo all day. You know what I'm saying? It's a different fight. But um, he needs to get in there with, you know, the rest of the super middleweight division. Okay, respectfully, yes. I'd like to see him fight you, no question. But he is unquestionably the number one pound-for-pound guy in boxing right now. He yes, has the best resume yes. of anybody yes, in boxing right yes, now. Yes, they did a great job with him. It's, who did? Golden Boy, promotion. Are you kidding me? They did a great job with moving Canelo. Yes, they moving did. Him, moving him implies, Demetrius, that 
You're just being given gimme fights. Eris Lanny Lara was not a gimme fight. No, Gennady I'm not Golovkin saying twice was not a gimme I'm fight. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. But he has had a lot of gimme fights too, though. But he, of course you got to fight somebody sooner or later. And he's fighting these guys at the right time. To be he's, fat, fight, he's fighting. Laura has, what is Laura? What is Laura? Eris Lanny Lara at that point was arguably the best guy at 154. Right at the top. His own promotional cup. You say Golden Boy moved him. None of those guys want him to fight Eris Lanny Lara. He, they wanted nothing to do with that. He moves up. Yes, maybe he cherry picked a belt at 175, fighting a past his prime, Sergey Kovalev. But Golovkin was a monster at that time when he all, beat them. All credit to Canelo for fighting Triple G. He, I'm not sitting saying that. None of that. Like I just said, you have to fight somebody eventually. And he did that. And yes, he is the pound for pound guy. But there's other guys out there too that has great talent that can that's not going to sit there and just like go on the ropes all night. I mean, Mike, I, I can't believe I'm yelling at Demetrius Andrade. I, I do love Demetrius Andrade and hope he gets into big fights throughout 2021, but he's completely, completely bonkers here. There, there is no debate over pound for pound number one. There just isn't. I mean, I think Terrence Crawford is great, but he doesn't have the resume of a Canelo Alvarez. In a way, is great, but I don't think he has the resume of Canelo Alvarez. This guy, over four weight classes has proven he is the best fighter in boxing, and he's been doing it by not just winning, but largely dominating some of his opponents. Right, and more to your point, Chris, I always hear people say, well, the eye test this, the eye test that. It's not all resume. All right, fine. Let's assume it's not all resume. Canelo is proving with the eye test, too, against elite opposition, not against guys like Julius Ndongo or Ricky Burns or all the other guys that are far from the elite level that Terrence Crawford has faced. I have no idea. You know what? I think Terrence Crawford is going to be just like Golovkin. Once he's going to face an Errol Spence, he's not going to be blowing through these guys the way Canelo Alvarez is. So, you know what? You can't even use the eye test anymore. And I think we both know that Demetrius Andre, deep down, doesn't even really believe that. He knows. Yeah, and it's, it's one thing to say, I wouldn't fight off the ropes against Canelo. Okay, I don't think Callum Smith planned to. <laughs> I don't think that Sergey Kovalev, you know, thought he was going to get knocked out the way he did. I mean... Yeah, it's 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 one thing to have a plan going in, but then you go in with the best fighter in the world, and that plan tends uh, to go out the window. I mean, it's I say this all the time about you know my idea of pound for pound. I look at it like I do basketball. Like the Lakers, maybe the best team on paper, but they're only the champion because they go through everybody in their East, in the Western Conference, then beat the team in the East, the NBA Finals. Like you are who you beat. It's as simple as that. That's what matters uh, in boxing. Um, so let's talk about the future of Canelo here. Uh, there'll certainly be a push for a third fight with Golovkin after Golovkin knocked out Camille Zarameta. We all know Camille Zarameta was as unqualified a mandatory challenger as there could possibly be in boxing right now. But Golovkin gets his knockout. He gets his momentum, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, Canelo's a free agent. And while he did enjoy the Eddie Hearn experience, like I kind of thought he would, um, he can do whatever he wants right now. What do you think is the mindset of Canelo going into 2021? Like you said, certainly Canelo enjoyed it. Um, he spoke afterward at the press conference about how awesome he thought the uh, final countdown was. I mean, that was pretty sick. That's pretty cool. Mexican mariachi band doing the final countdown. I don't know where that came from, man. Like, I, all of a sudden I hear like, I mean, that was, that was next level stuff. I mean, maybe that's all Canelo. I don't know. I, I do think he likes the idea of fighting with Eddie Hearn. Certainly, we know Eddie Reynoso loves Eddie. That helps a lot. He has Billy Joe Saunders. I think if I was odds making right now, that Billy Joe Saunders is the, is the favorite to fight him in May. And if it's not going to be Saunders, I would then say either Caleb Plant or Gennady Golovkin. But it doesn't seem to me from everything I've heard 
that Golovkin Canelo is ever going to happen again, and probably not in May. So I'm going to say Saunders. Now, do you believe he will fight in February against his mandatory, like he suggested? That's a good question. I mean, he certainly seems hell bent on that before the fight. I know it's things are different after the fight. Do you want to go through another training camp? Although this guy is always training. I think one thing to consider is he is getting married pretty soon, I believe. Uh, I think in February. So, yeah, I know, I, mean, I know he wants to get a fight in Mexico. Why not? I, I, am, I am totally cool with these kind of stay busy fights if you're doing it as a quote-unquote extra fight, you know. If your schedule is to fight twice a year and you want to jam in a fight in between that, so be it. My problem is when we have guys like Danny Garcia fighting Ivan Redcash in January and then he doesn't fight for another year. That's when I don't want those fights. Uh, but yeah, I do think we might see the February fight, and I'm all for it. Get a get a homecoming fight in Mexico. Why not? Yeah, and, and that's almost why I think his relationship with Eddie could continue because there probably aren't a lot of you know promoters promoters or networks that are going to be interested in that February fight, at least not at the price tag Canelo is used to because of DAZN's whole desire to be global and to do different things they'll probably be able to throw more money at that fight than others would be willing. And I can see, and this is more speculating than anything else, but I can see Eddie saying, look, we can give you X for this fight. Sign on for two more. Give us May and September, Billy Joe Saunders, maybe Golovkin, maybe somebody else. You know, we'll see if Golovkin can get through somebody else before then. And that'll be your 2021 and we'll pay you a whole boatload of money. I mean, there's certainly... There's many different ways Canelo can go. The PBC side has some very credible options for him, including a title holder at 168 pounds. But because that February fight seems to be on his radar, I think that puts puts Eddie in a pretty good position. Yeah, and to your point, I do wonder how big is Yildirim in Turkey? Is that attractive to the zone and the global app? I don't know. But Canelo does want to be a global star. He said it a million times, right? When he was in Saudi for the Ruiz-Joshua fight, he talked about how badly he wants to fight in the Middle East how he wants to fight in Japan. And Eddie Hearn can make that happen. He's the he's the best position to do a global promotion. Certainly, if that was an audition for Canelo, and I think it was, Canelo enjoyed it. He was laughing all week. I mean, look, you and I have covered him a million times. How many times did we say to ourselves, oh, this guy doesn't have any personality. He's always stoic and serious. I, he was at the press conference, and some Japanese reporter asked him a question. Canelo responded, arigato. And then he started laughing to himself, like cracking himself up. So... You know, he was definitely lighthearted the whole time. I think Eddie is probably in pole position right now. And look, if we're if we're choosing fights, the fight I want to see most is Jamal Charlo. I think that's the guy out there, along with Arthur Betterbeev, who give him the best fights right now. Uh, look, I, I think Charlo's a good fight. Um, I'd like to see him get one more quality win at one sixty or one sixty or one sixty eight to make me believe that he's going to put on a better performance than Callum Smith. I mean, I, look, Charlo's pretty proven at 154, don't get me wrong, but one win over Derevinchenko at 160 doesn't tell me he's ready for, for Canelo Albert. Maybe there's not a fighter out there that gets him ready for that, but whether it is, you know, my good friend Demetrius Andrade or somebody in the 168-pound weight class, hell, move him up and have him face Caleb Plant for that 168-pound title. Uh, that's a good fight. Then you get a belt. Then then Canelo's definitely going to find you. Like, the, he wants that belt. Then Canelo's definitely going to go after you. That, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we do have to see guys. That's the problem with boxing, right? We don't have eliminators, like real eliminators, so yeah. to speak. I mean, I would love to see Plant fight Charlo or Charlo fight Benavidez and the winner gets Canelo Alvarez. Um, 
And not to get off topic, but that's kind of my issue right now with some of the matchmaking in boxing. Like, we accept that the sport is politicized and fragmented, but there's a boatload of amazing fights PBC can make inside their own universe. Let's see those fights. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, Caleb Plant, Caleb Truax doesn't really do anything for me. Caleb Plant, Jamal Charlo would be great. And the winner of that fight would have a, a strong argument that he should be either Canelo's next opponent or opponent in September of 2021. Let, let me finish with Golovkin. You and I sat together at the bar and watched him on Friday night. There are two schools of thought on Golovkin's performance. One is he looked like he was 38 years old. He couldn't get a vastly inferior opponent out of there, despite the fact that he knocked him down uh, four times. The other, and I've heard this from a few different people, that, look, he'd been off for 14 months. He wanted to get some rounds in. He carried Zarameta a little bit. Give me your evaluation of what Golovkin is, and what do you think, if it's not Canelo, could be in store for him in the first half of 2021? So let's assume, best case scenario, Golovkin was trying to go around, was trying to extend himself. Let's assume that the layoff made him look not as good as he really is. My biggest issue was just that he seemed to be, you know, kind of pushing his punches rather than the snap we usually see on him. I mean, that's what made Golovkin a monster, right? He had this amazing snap on his shots, sitting down on his punches. He just looked a step slower to me. Like he was in slow motion a little bit a little more methodical, like he was thinking about it rather than just doing. And I don't know how much of that is fighting a completely overmatched fighter or the layoff, but I think, I don't know, my appetite for the Canelo right now is only on a legacy basis for Canelo to settle the score. As far as a competitive fight, I don't think so. I think we're going to see Gennady Golovkin probably go toward that Jaime Munguia fight. And if it's not going to be Jaime Munguia, I bet it's uh, Ryota Murata in Japan. Yeah, uh, Murata doesn't do a lot for me, but Munguia, especially in the U.S., it's kind of interesting. And even a diminished Golovkin, I would probably favor over Munguia. I mean, Munguia, yeah, I mean, he, he, Munguia's a fun offensive fighter, but man, he leads with his chin. And, you know, whether he's pushing his punches or not, Golovkin's still got the power to put him down. And look, if you're talking about building momentum, and I hate to keep doing this because it feels like we've been doing it for three years now, towards a third fight with, with Canelo, like, if he has as explosive a, an, an explosive performance against Munguia, that would give him some momentum for a Canelo fight. You can say, look, I knocked out one Mexico st- Mexican star. Here, let's, let me go knock out the other one, even if he can't do it. Like, just saying, I, I think that would give him more credibility going into a Canelo fight in, the, in September of 2021. Yeah, Chris, I mean, I couldn't agree more. That is the perfect fight for Golovkin for a number of reasons. It's great matchmaking. I am not high on Munguia at all, but... Some people are, and he's undefeated. Like you said, he's a former title holder. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Golden Boy... Golden Boy believes Munguia beats Golovkin. Like, I've had this conversation with Eric Gomez dating back to when Munguia had that stinker against Dennis Hogan. Before that fight, he was saying, I'd make Munguia Golovkin right now. Do you understand that thinking? Like, why do you think they believe that he can win that fight? I mean, if they actually actually do believe it and aren't just lying like they often do. It's a weird thing to lie about, though, right? Because, like, Munguia's kind of one of their cash cows there in a, in a way. He does good numbers on zone. He's proven to be a little bit of a draw. I don't know why they'd want to feed him or be so eager to feed him so quickly. Well, look, this is boxing, and I believe Munguia only has one fight left on his deal with Golden Boy. And there you go. Well, that would be it. <laughs> that answers that, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. That's that. It's it's look. It's a. It's certainly a fun fight. One I'm sure we'd both cover one way or the other. Uh, because oh, the Bob Bennett Bowl. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Bob Bennett, who turned down Golovkin Munguia back uh, a few years back, and uh, now it's here once again, maybe at 160 pounds. Uh, Mike, always good to see you this week, man. Thanks for joining me here on the show. Thanks, Chris. Looking forward to Andre Mannix, too. Or is it Mannix Andre, too? Oh, I won the first one. My name goes first on the second. Thanks, man. Coming up next, my conversation with Demetrius Andrade. All right, Demetrius Andrade joining me now on the podcast, the WBO middleweight champion, uh, still a title holder in that division. Looking to make some moves, though, in higher weight classes as he flexes on Canberra. I would say this first, Demetrius, you are a ways off from 160 pounds. I'm not so sure you're going to be back at 160 anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I just look good, man. I feel in. I, I feel good. But, um, you know, 168, Billy Joe, let's, make, let's go. Let's make it happen. All right, before we get into Billy Joe Saunders and, and, and the fights that you want, you were scheduled to fight in November. Uh, Dusty Hernandez-Harrison had to back out uh, because of COVID-19 reasons. Uh, how are you feeling about having kind of gone through this whole year without a fight? Well, you've had one fight, I should say, sorry, in January, but going the rest of the year without a fight. Um, you know, um, it's part of my storyline. It's, it's not, you know, something new. This happened before my career where I was off um, 12, 13 months. You know, uh, I just like, you know, dig in, focus on me, my body, and what I need to do, family, the most high. And just, um, you know, when my time comes, I'm just going to be explosive and show people that it's me again, you know, regardless of the situation. So what are you focused on right now? People that follow you on social media, they know you want Billy Joe Saunders. Why is that fight important to you? I mean, it's the it's, it, it makes sense for me because it's it's an easy fight to be made. One, uh, we was go, we were supposed to fight back when I was off 12, 13 months. My first fight back was to fight him for the WBO uh, middleweight um, championship of the world, and that didn't go down because of his reasons. And um, now I'm looking to give get get that chance again. He won the WBO at 168 pounds. I'm looking to you know catapult my you know, my stop, my career. Um, and this is the, the the best way for him and I is to step into the ring, fight for this WBO world t- um, title. And then this is going to put us in position where now there's more of a demand for if it's Canelo or Triple G, Charlo, because, you know, I can, me having the confidence that I have, I beat Billy Joe, the WBO should, you know, um, <clears throat> allow this to happen. Then I can, you know, de- determine if, if 160, if I go back down to 160, is to unify with Triple G, um, Charlo, if he wants to get go. Uh, and if not, then I sit at the 168 pounds and, you know, make it where I have a running again with Canelo because I'm pretty much doing the same thing that Canelo done is winning divisional world championships. And this is uh, another step. He wants to unify the division. Well, here I go again. Yeah, and look, I, I agree with you that a fight with Canelo – your path to it is having that other piece of the 168-pound championship. I mean, Canelo's made it clear that 168 is his weight class. He wants to unify uh, those belts. So having that belt would put you uh, in prime position. I guess the flip side of it, Demetrius, is that you've had a version of the middleweight title for over two years now. And while I'm sure you thought, and I certainly thought, that having that belt would have uh, put you in position for those big fights, it didn't. So uh, what makes you think that having a belt at 168 makes you more appealing than having one at 160. 
It's because, um, like I said before, it's fighting Billy Joe Saunders, a marquee elite guy. And now, now we're talking about fighting another elite guy. So it's been difficult for me to get the elite guys, like you just mentioned. So therefore, with, with Eddie Hearns, Matchroom, the zone, we're all on the same platform, um, you know. And we, me and Billy Joe was supposed to fight in our career beforehand. It didn't go down, but now is the it's the proper time. There's there's more money for me. There's more money for him. Um, there's more at risk for both of us, and there's more reward in the future for us. So why not go after it? I can't get Charlo. I can't get Triple G right now. And it's like for me, hold having the WBO, and he's a WBO champion too. It's an easier fight to be made because we're both in the same organization. You know, I, I think that a fight with you and Billy Joe is meaningful because you're a champion, he's a champion, you're both two undefeated guys. I think a question I have going into it is, will it be entertaining in the ring? You both are kind of really good boxers. Do you think that's a fight that can be entertaining? Of course, of course. You know, if, um, you, know, if you watch my fights, come on, you know, I, I can bang when I need to bang. I can box when I need to box. And I'm going to mix it up throughout the whole fight. You don't get the same look from me every single round or every single fight. I do different things determined on the opponent. Um, a Billy Joe fight, yeah, like it's going to be a meaningful thing. So I'm going to put everything out there. I'm not going to sit there and try to just win the fight. I'm going to put it all out there to win it in a convincingly way. So therefore, now the demand is higher for Demetrius to get in there with Triple G, Canelo, Charlo, or whoever else it is that is an elite guy from the other side, uh, uh, you know, uh, Showtime, whoever, we can make them, them, them fights happen. Um, yes, I'm going to put it all out because I know what is at stake. Now, you, I'm, fighting, well, I'm fighting somebody else. I'm going to do what I need to do to mm -hmm. secure the win and, you know, be safe because of cut, there can cuts, it's headbutts, there's all types of stuff that happens in a fight. And so, but at this point, when... I know I'm in there with a lead guy and everything's on the line. I'm going to go balls to the wall. That's interesting you say that because, you know, you and I have had this conversation before about closing shows. And I, I look, I've said to you and I've said on broadcast, I think there have been times you've let guys off the hook, whether it's Walter Kautendakwa, um, who you put down four times before getting a decision, even Maciek Sulecki, who you know, had down that first round and, and were willing to settle for a wide decision. You win these fights convincingly, but why is Saunders, why is it more important to look great against Saunders than it was against Kautendakwa or uh, Luke Keeler or uh, uh, Maciek Sulecki? Is it just because Saunders is a more visible, high-profile fighter? I mean, first of all, I look great every time I step into the ring. You know, I come out the ring great, looking good, tall, black, and handsome, of course. And I put on, <laughs> I put on the show and I, put, and I display skills and talent. This, 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 the sweet science of skills and talent. It's not go out there and, and, and rock and sock and robot. This is not the, the, the type of sport that I'm, I was taught to do in this sport. It was to box and do what I need to do. And I'm doing what I need to do. What I'm, what I'm saying is fighting Billy Joe, right? Fighting Billy Joe, another marquee elite guy, you, I need to go in there and let it all, let it all out, because me letting it all out with the other guys, what's that going to do? It hasn't done well, nothing. It has not. I knocked the guy down four times. The decision, whatever, whatever. If I knock him out or I don't knock him out, like, okay, when's the last time Billy Joe knocked somebody out? Mm -hmm. No, you're right. You know, when's the last time Canelo knocked somebody out? Uh, well, Rocky Fielding. Yeah. Okay, that's a long time ago. We're talking more like. 
couple of years. You know, you, you talk about closing shows. Why is Danny Jacobs? Nobody knocked out Gabriel Rosado. You know, Danny Jacobs cannot. Nobody's knocking nobody out. Only person that's only time. Somebody well, has, well, let's 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 not let's not bring up Jacobs Rosado because that was dreadful. Like that's not that that cannot be that cannot be put in the mix here. That no, was, but he. I'm just saying, but he is somebody that's been in the ring with Canelo. He is also another um, elite athlete in the in the middleweight division. I'm just naming the guys that's in my weight class that. Is you we're talking about closing, knocking out. Nobody's doing that like that. So you know why am I being being the one to be drilled and about knocking somebody out when no, I'm knocking the, guys down and I'm putting skills to the test? But yes, I believe I can beat Billy Joe and I can stop Billy Joe, and I'm going to do that and I'm going to put that type of fight because at the end of the day, that's what I've been doing. I've been working my way into dropping guys, stopping guys, hitting guys clean, and yeah, finishing and finishing it the way I want to finish it. But, um, you know, these guys, I'm fighting the tough guys, too. They're crafty. So, like, he's a crafty guy. So he's not, you know, nobody can just walk in there and put him down and knock him out. He has never been knocked out. No, you're right. Um, it, it, there shouldn't be a double standard. I would say this. You know, Jacobs is paying a price for that performance against Rosado. I mean, he was someone that wanted Billy Joe Saunders, too. It doesn't sound like that's going to be a possibility. So, you know, by putting on kind of a clunker, there is a price you pay for it. And Jacobs right now, I think, is going to pay it. Like, what, whatever he does next probably won't be as lucrative for him as uh, it might have been if he had gone out and had the war with the Rosado that he was promising. Well, you know, I'm somebody that don't really talk about my predictions. I'm always, I'm always somebody that says, listen, I'm going to go out there and give you what I'm going to give you. And every time I give you something, it's something exciting. It's always an exciting moment, exciting match. Even if it goes a distance, it was always, it's always a great performance at the end of the day. And that's what I can always say. Uh, and Billy Joe, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do that because there's so much more, there's so much more on the line. There's so much more on the line. And I thrive for that. And that's what I, that's what I want to give myself. I want that challenge and I want to get in there and show people and show myself that I am, one of the best. Now I beat him. Now let's go and fight the rest who claims that they're the best. And that's now it. You, we can't we can't sit here, right? This is what they're doing. This is what they're doing, Chris. We got mm-hmm. let's say Charlo, Triple G, Danny Jacobs, uh, 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 Smith, like all these guys. It's like they got their Canelo statue or the Canelo poster over their bedroom, and they're like this before they go to bed. Please, Canelo, pick me. Please, please, Canelo, please. And it's like, yo, for me, that's crazy. And and, and for Canelo, too, why Canelo got to fight all of us and we don't fight each other? We don't fight nobody. We got to keep fighting, you know, guys that it's not worthy enough. And, and and it's just like we'll get more of the demand if everybody starts fighting each other. Whoever gets eliminated will get eliminated. And if it becomes a Canelo thing, well, you're going to demand more money. If you Canelo goes and picks you right now, I'll just give you like two, three million dollars. And you have to settle with that. Now, if you beat Billy Joe, you beat Triple G. Now you're talking about $10 million, $12 million, $15 million. Now you're talking about, you know, bigger money. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, like to do. So you are looking for the Saunders fight. Liam Williams is chasing you. He wants his mandatory ch- uh, shot at your middleweight title. How do you feel about Liam Williams? And are you willing to lose that middleweight belt if it means facing Billy Joe Saunders? You know, we're going to sit back, talk to the WBO. You know, if I can, you know, run it, I will let, tell them, yo, give me the option. Let me fight Billy Joe. Give me so many days to make the option to go back down to 160. Now, if I go 160, WBO, do you really care for Liam Williams, right, which I'm going to beat, and they're going to say, oh, 
He's supposed to be him. He who is he? Nobody really knows him. He lost against Lehman Smith twice. Who cares? We want to see him fight Chow. We want to see him fight Triple G, right? So now I, I beat Billy Joe. They give me so many days to, you know, go back and make the decision which weight class I then I go back to 160 and I say, hey, Triple G, I go WBO, I go boxing, I go to zone, I go match. Who you want to see me fight? Liam Smith, I mean Williams, or you want to see me fight Triple G? Or you want to see me fight Chalo? Who you want to see me fight? Williams, or you want to see me fight them guys? No. At the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, I respect Williams for making his way up to where he got to go to, and he maybe, maybe not. I don't. Yeah, he, but I deserve what I deserve, so I'm supposed to continue to, you know, give these guys their shot. But I don't get my shot. I don't get. I don't deserve to fight the big guys. I, I've been in this game for a very long time. Been undefeated for a very long time. I have the end of the stick already. I've been going through it. So do I? Do I deserve a big fight, or do everybody else deserve a big fight? No, I think you deserve the big fight at this point. I've been very clear about that. At some point, middleweight, super middleweight, you deserve that big fight. But you so have spent- I'm trying to put myself in that position. That's what I'm trying right. to do. Put myself in that position where Billy Joe, that's a big fight. And then from that moment on, it's like, okay, Triple G, you want to make it happen? Chalo, you want to make it happen? Let's unify. Now we're talking about unifications. I beat one elite guy. Now I'm ready to beat another elite guy. I'm ready to go from iron to iron and then cool out. That's what I'm saying. That's what I would like to do. You've spent the last couple of days in Texas with your promoter, Eddie Hearn, who's got, you know, he's at the intersection of all this. What is he telling you about what's most likely for you in the first part of 2021? You know, it's it's either the Billy Joe or I'm going to have to fight my mandatory if I stay at the 160 weight division, you know? Um, but I'm trying to say, this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take less money. I'm willing to take less money. The same money, money I will fight to fight Liam Williams. I would take that money to fight Billy Joe Saunders just to show them I'm. This is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is where I know it's going to take everybody. Everybody. The Zone, Matthew, me, the WBO. We're going to take it to another level now. Doing this. And that's what I'm trying to do. Win, lose, draw. I'm still willing to risk taking it to another level, or instead fight my mandatory and be like, ah, right, you know, he just, you know, I, thank you for the good money, thank you for the money, you know, that's the guy, you know, whatever, you know, here's your, oh, Billy Joe, I want four or five million, you know, no, I'm willing to risk, I'm, I'm willing to put myself at risk because a lot of fighters want to fight the easy guy or no guy that's, you know, that's not or the mandatory that's not that big of a name and make the money. I'm willing to make that same money to fight Billy Joe and move on to bigger and better in the future. No, and that's the right attitude to have because at some point, I mean, you have bet on yourself repeatedly in the, over the course of your career. Taking a little bit less to get that big opportunity only opens the door the door for potentially more opportunities. There's risk to it, of course, and you're a prize fighter. You fight for money, but I think it it's probably the smart thing to do to say, look, money's not going to hold this up. I'm going to I'm willing to let somebody else be the A side financially if it means making this fight happen. Yeah. And I made that clear to Eddie Hearns. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on with the Billy Joe side. We need to all get on the phone and just make it happen. Because at the end of the day, it's great for boxing. One, it's great for boxing. We need this. Everybody needs this. You can't, we can't just say, like, I want the I want the Canelo platform. I want to feel that. I want, I want that. So Billy Joe, that's is one of that's 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 a big fight. It's two elite guys, undefeated guys going at it. And May the best man win. Mm-hmm. May the best man win. All right, let me finish with this. Um, should I stop talking 
about you and Charlo because it's all I talk about. I do this podcast every single week. At some point, I find a way to weave it in there that I think the biggest fight in boxing is, or one of anyway, is Andrade versus Charlo. Hell, I went on Max Kellerman's show on ESPN and only talked about this for about five minutes because I believe that this is a massive fight. Um, have you given up hope is my first question. And the second is like, well, it's not even the second is not even a question, more of a comment. If I see you fighting Liam Williams and I see Jamal Charlo fighting Chris Eubank, I might lose my mind. I might actually lose my mind because that that's two fights that aren't necessary and two fights that don't need to happen because you've got two elite, undefeated middleweights who have big money potentially to make in a fight between them two. It not happening, Demetrius, would drive me bonkers, completely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, listen, I would fight both of those brothers. I would fight the, the 54 guy and the 60 guy. You know what I'm saying? I would fight both of them. <laughs> like, if, if there was some type of deal where I could fight both of them, I would fight both of them. No problem. Like, I always, I, like, it was always something that, like, a moment where it's like, you know, depending on who, who I signed with moving forward, depending on the situation, like, these are this, these two guys right here are, you know, um, guys that I need to get in the ring with to make, you know, a statement. And it is a, a, great, a great fight for boxing, but it's not happening. There was showtime. I'm with the zone. You know, I can't sit here and, you know, I'm not in the politics of it. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't sit here and, like, dictate those situations at this point. But I can. I beat Billy Joe. I beat Triple G. You know what I'm saying? I get those fights. Now it's like now I become more of a, a, a powerhouse. Now I'm, I'm I'm a force to be reckoned with. So therefore, I can be like, listen, I want the child fight now. That's what, the, what would you? That's the, I think that's the way for it to be enticed. But because on this side, on the, the zone side, we got the middleweights. We have more of the middleweights. Showtime, not so much. Yeah, they got Caleb Plant. They got Benavides that might go up to 75, whatever it is. And then at 60, who you got? You just got Jamal Chalo. You know, and yep. you got a few people that can bounce around that, like Devachenko, who's going here, going there, whichever. But, um, you know, Billy Joe, the Triple G fight, that's going to entice the people a lot more to want to make the child fight in Showtime and the zone, figure out how to put it together. What would you say to the argument that Andrade can't say Charlo's ducking him because Andrade ducked Jermel Charlo years ago? That's something that pops up on social media. How would you respond to that? I mean, you know, people are going to say what they want to say. Who cares if whatever they think happened back then? What but about what happened? Like, what what happened there? Explain what happened well, I there. I can't. I can't because I can't because it, it happened. It, it's like it happened with the you know uh, with the with you know the whole Jay Rock Nation thing. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like I can't get into details with that stuff. It's not about me ducking them or not. I'm willing to fight him today. You want to fight today? We're going to make one, we're both going to make a lot more money, like you're saying. So, what does it matter if it didn't work out the way it's supposed to work out? Nobody dumped him. It just didn't work out in my favor hmm. at that time. You want me? Like, let me give you guys a platform. I was with Banner and and um, Star Boxing promotion. I was with the, that that promoter. I had two promoters: Ali Pulu, Joe DeGuardia, right? those two guys. They wanted me to go to Showtime and fight Jamal Chalo on Showtime. And the whole, and then, you know, what I just mentioned came into play and all this other stuff and, you know, whatever. It just didn't work out. Nobody ducked them. I'm not ducking anybody. 
So, but if you want to make the fight happen today, then let's make that fight happen today. I just told you I fight both of those guys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so gotta for happen. The people, they... For the people to keep saying like I ducked them, I ducked them. It's crazy. Like nobody's ducking nobody. Yeah, it's gonna I happen. Mean, really. Afterwards, who went to their press conference and was like, "Yo, when we gonna make it happen?" Who seen them and who went to New York to their fight and was like, "Yo, what's up? Now things is better." Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm with Eddie Hines. I'm with the Zone. I'm Matchroom. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot more money, and we offer you seven million dollars. Yeah, do you, look. Do, do you have a theory on that? Do you have a theory on why Jamal won't fight you? Because look, Eddie's been pretty transparent about that offer. He's shown emails that he sent to Charlo directly that have been received by Charlo. It's a lot of money. It's a high-profile fight. Do you have a theory about why Charlo has not accepted it? Uh, because he wants to fight Danny Jacobs now after the Danny Jacobs Rosado performance. That's my theory. He wants to fight the guys that's on their way out. He wants to fight the guys that don't look as good. He don't want to fight the, the real deals. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a real threat for everybody. The end of the day, I'm a fighter. I'm coming in to fight. Not only do I know how to fight, smart, I'm smart. Smart these guys. These guys ain't smarter than me. I don't care how hard somebody hits or how fast somebody can be when it comes to the the, the mind. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out fighting everybody. So at the end of the day, what 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 really matters is this: win, lose, a draw. I win, I lose, get a draw. Okay, I lose against the better man. Hypothetically, just speaking, Manny Pacquiao, Jesse Vargas. I, the, the list goes on of people have that loss in their career and still on top of the game. So mm-hmm. me losing to somebody that's on top, that's one of the best, yo, I'm fine with it. You better man. I'm still going to be everybody else. I'm still going to be everybody else they put in front of me. I'm still going to make my way back to what I have to do. Yo, plain and simple. That's just how I feel. That's the confidence that I have in myself. And that's the work ethic that I've been putting in for since I was yay high. Yo, you made a best man win. I know it's a 50-50 fight. Anything can happen. Yeah, but losses, lo- lo- losses, lo- losses are irrelevant. I mean, look, Canelo Alvarez. But that's but that's, that's the whole, yeah, but that but that's the whole thing though. That's this whole like, you know, you know, not to put any like disrespect out there, like people like you know, you know, black fighters, yes, it's a little hotter. You know, we don't have like the country, like a country. Some people don't have a country. And then, you know, Floyd Mayweather making it more, you know, vivid, like, oh, gotta feed oh zero, oh no, and so now people are trying to take that as a business thing and run with it. Oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta, oh. But like I said, Manny Pacquiao got losses. Look at him. Adrian Broner got losses and look, he's still he's still he's still in the mix. You know what I'm saying? John Molina. John Molina. Now you're going way, way down the spectrum. You can't go from Manny Pacquiao to Adrian Broner. Like, you no, just can't. I, get saying, your, I take your what point. I'm saying but, is, yeah, what I'm saying is, you know what I'm saying? You can still get fights. You can still bounce back. You can still make money. And yeah, you, you have to go from the top to the bottom to let people know, like, you're either going to be a top guy or you're going to be one of these guys. If you yeah. have that, depending on your skill level. Yeah, look, I mean, look, my fervent hope for 2021 is that you and Terrence Crawford, two guys that have had a really tough time getting fights in your weight class, get at least a couple of them because it's you guys are both in your prime. You're both around the same age. You know, it's time for for guys with the talent to start getting a chance to showcase it. Like it's it, there's no more waiting. Like that's got to happen now. Yeah, but we wanna, I want to showcase Kate against Billy Joe Saunders right now. That's why I want to do. I know. That's, no, the, that's, that's the best thing. You get Billy Joe Saunders. 
Crawford gets Errol Spence, I'll be happy in the first half of next year. Uh, Demetrius, always great to talk to you, man. Um, I ho- I'm hoping for those fights and looking forward to a big 2021. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I appreciate what you do, keeping the sport alive and letting people know what's, what are the best fights out there. And thank you for letting people know that I am one of the best fighters out there with Chalo to make that happen. And appreciate you. God bless you. And keep up the good work. When we come back, 130-pound titleist, JoJo Diaz. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, JoJo Diaz is here, 130-pound title holder. He is getting back in the ring after a year-long layoff, uh, this time in February. His opponent is mandatory challenger, Shavkazan Rakimov, and I'm hoping I said that name correctly as I've tried to learn it for the last five minutes, and JoJo joins me here uh, on the show. JoJo, welcome back, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm excited to, you know, uh, be back in the ring. Uh, it's my first uh, main event on the zone, so uh, I'm really, really excited for that. It's a moment that I've been waiting for my whole entire life to uh, broadcast myself as a main event, and I finally get an opportunity uh, here on the zone 
So um, I've been training my ass off, man. I'm extremely ready. I'm ready to go out there and uh, prove to everybody that I'm, I'm the best at 130 pounds. You know, you're in camp right now. We were talking about this a little before we started, but, you know, a lot of times the reason we don't see fights in January and early February is that fighters don't want to train, you know, over the holidays. Uh, is that something you've avoided in the past? And is it just, you know, is it this is a situation where if you can get a date, you grab onto it? Oh, absolutely. Especially with all this stuff that's going on with the COVID, um, I got to take advantage of any opportunity that is given to me. And uh, last year I had to, you know, I had to uh, train during New Year's and train during Christmas as well when I fought Tevin Farmer. So I'm kind of already used to it. I'm kind of already adapted to it. I know what matters in life and uh, all the holidays that that that's very meaningful. But as long as I got my family there during the uh, camp with me and that are motivating me and pushing me, that's all that matters, man. They know that this is, uh, you know, what I've been wanting to do my whole entire career. And this is a, a very meaningful fight for me. So they're all for it. They're all with me. They're all supporting me. So, I mean, I can celebrate all that after. So let's talk about how you got here to this point. You win that title in a terrific fight uh, earlier in the year, and you're set to have a rematch at some point over the summertime pre-pandemic. Then the pandemic hits, everything changes, and now you're going on to face your mandatory. From your perspective, what happened there? I mean, we, we've been hearing from Tevin Farmer's side a lot that they expected to get the rematch, uh, that it was in the contract. You are moving on to a different fight. Explain to me what happened. Yeah, well, what happened was the contract ended up getting uh, ended up getting voided due to the COVID uh, the COVID nineteen, um, and I wanted to fight Tevin Farmer. I told um, I told my my advisory company MTK and I told Golden Boy that I wanted to make the fight happen. But uh, obviously, things on on Tevin Farmer's side they weren't matching up. They wanted to still be the A side, and I didn't want to. And I don't want to be the B side. They wanted to take the higher the higher uh, pay, the higher purse. And I, and, and I didn't want to do that. I mean, I was a champion. I feel like I deserve – I mean, I whooped his ass. I whooped his ass. out. Even even with the cut eye in the second round, I feel like I deserve to be the A-side. So I was like, I'll fight I'll fight Tevin Farmer. But, I mean, things got to be right. Things got to look financially right you know, and, and going in everything in my favor, fighting over here in California, um, a main event, and I'll be the A-side. But, I mean, none of that ended up materializing. They wanted, you know, to – pretend that they wanted to fight me but still give me peanuts and still try to you know give me the 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 pay that that they were um that they wanted Kevin uh, Farmer get more money and me take the less pay cut but at the end of the day like I said I'm the champion I feel like I deserve um I deserve to be the A-side and I, I would have been gladly to whoop Kevin Farmer's ass again it's it's I mean I'm not I'm not afraid of him I'm not ducking him at all but it just doesn't make sense I mean after this fight after I take care of this mandatory if, if things make sense, like I said, I'll, 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 I will get Tim Farmer's rematch. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that is ducking anything. I just want to get what's right and what I deserve. What would you say to the argument that Tevin's side has made, JoJo, that you signed a contract, and in the contract it spelled out what would happen if you won the fight? What would you say to that? Uh, like I said, I, it expired. I mean, all that is, is already over with. Uh, there's nothing that I, I – I can't go back and everything. My, my lawyers already told me that it expired, so I'm not going to go uh, based on that contract already. That contract's already done and dealt with. Um, now it's just focusing on, on a new con a contract and a new agreement. Like I said, I, I will. I will. I'm agreeing to fight him again. I will give him the opportunity to fight again and, and to fight for his title and try to, to try to win it back. But 
like I said, the terms got to be different now. How did you feel about your performance against Farmer? I mean, you were still you were uh, getting used to the 130 pound division after making the move just a couple of fights uh, earlier. How did you feel at 130? I felt really good. I felt really good. My uh, my weight came down good. Um, I was able to make the weight. I was having problems at 126 pounds uh, with the weight, but the thir- 130 pound, I, I, I'm able to you know keep my strength and keep my speed and also keep my my mental. I'm able to keep my reaction time when I'm inside that ring and. Um, I just felt I, I I feel like a live dog at 130. I feel like I'm the I'm the best at 130 pounds. I'm able to you know uh, take punches and also give them. And it showed with the Tevin Farmer fight where I I took him out of his game plan. He he wasn't ready for what I was bringing to the table. He thought that it was gonna be you know icing on a cake or he thought he was gonna be able to just walk over me and beat me. I think he saw the Gary Russell fight, but with that Gary Russell fight, like I said, that wasn't myself. I wasn't uh, my, my I wasn't at my full potential. I wasn't able to you know showcase what I'm all about, and uh, I learned a lot from that fight, man. I felt like I took it lightly, and I, I learned a lot. And um, all those all those trials and tribulations, it made me the person that I am today. And uh, I showed it that night that I'm not one to be with anymore. I'm taking I'm taking care of my all the opportunities that I put in front of me, and whoever whoever they put in front of me, I'm going to take down. What is the difference between you against Gary Russell? and you right now uh maturity maturity i i feel like i feel like my maturity was definitely uh wasn't there um when i was fighting gary russell jr i feel like i i, I wasn't um when i was fighting gary russell i wasn't taking as much chances as, as i should have i should have uh, taken more chances and taken more risk inside there and it all comes with experience and i and i i, I take uh my gary russell loss um uh to heart because I I take it as as a learning experience. It, it don't it don't it didn't break me. It actually made me a stronger person uh, mentally and physically, so I could go out there and do what I got to do. And with the Tevin Farmer fight, even with that big old cut that I got in the second round, I knew what I knew what I had to do, and I knew that I had to take risks. And that's from the experience that I got with the Gary Russell fight. I had to take more chances, and I just had to go out there and give them all because. You only get you only get a couple opportunities in this boxing game, and you got to take full advantage of it. And that's the thing that I I finally learned um, inside that ring and with that experience. And now, sky's the limit for me, man. I got the I got the skills, I got the determination, I got the hunger, and I also got the, the mental now. So when you move on from Tevin Farmer, at least for now, and you look ahead, was the Rakimov fight just a fight that you had to take because of the IBF, or was it one that you wanted as well? It was a, it was a fight that I had to take. I mean, Rakhimov, he's uh he's he's a mandatory challenger. I I seen that uh he had a he had the the t- um what was it called the mandatory the right. the mandatory right. title eliminator and he ended up winning the ta- uh, the title eliminator. So uh, now the IBF they 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 made it they made that fight a mandatory. I mean. Like I said, I just want to be fighting the best in, in the division. I want to fight guys uh, top ten, top five, top one. I want to fight all these guys to prove that I'm the I'm the best at 130 pounds. And it all comes with this fight. This guy is, uh, in, you know, he's ranked under the top ten. He's a mandatory. He has 15, he's 15 and 0, 12 KOs. A lot of people they don't they don't know about him, man. But he has a good amateur background and he's and he's a solid he's a solid opponent. And I'm gonna go out there and 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 showcase everybody that I can make this guy look average. And after this fight, I want to fight. I want I want to clean up the division. I want to unify titles. I want I want the big names like Javante Davis. I want Miguel Pichot. I want uh, Jamal Herring. I, I just I just want all the champions at this weight class 
guys because I want to prove to everybody that I'm not no I'm not no fake fighter like all these other fake fighters. I I, I fight for I fight the best because I, at the end of the day I I'm very very prideful and I don't want to you know just fight you no know, give me up fights or fight just burglar opponents and then beat them and then just collect a paycheck. That's not me. That's why when I was at 126, I challenged the best Mr. Gary Russell Jr. And I and I fought him because I wanted to showcase to myself and challenge myself that I could beat the best and be the best at 126. Unfortunately, that didn't happen due to all the stuff that, that was in my personal life. But at the end of the day, it was a learning experience for me. And now I want to challenge the best at 130. And I, I want all the smoke at 130. So as you're getting ready for this fight, I mean, you're dealing with what a lot of people are dealing with during this pandemic. Tough getting time in a gym, maybe. Tough finding sparring partners. How has the last, you know, nine months been for you? Nine months, man, it was it was really, really good. I, I actually took a break because I just had uh, my, my girl, she was pregnant, and I just had my baby uh, last month. So it was just a, a little, like, little vacation off of boxing. It was it was great, man, because I was very, very active this whole, this whole time, this whole uh, boxing career. I was... Eight years just going nonstop, training every single day, nonstop, nonstop. So my body needed its rest. So once um, I got that call that I was going to be fighting soon, I started training, I would say, like back in August. I started training in August, and I just started getting ready again, man. I started getting focused, started getting determined, uh, determined and I got this fight this fight date in, in February of 2021. So um, it's going to be different now. I mean, training camp is already different, but the thing is I got everything already set. I mean, I got a gym that I, I go to daily and I got my strength conditioning coach and my, my strength facility that I go to daily that's still open. And I'm also going to be uh, bringing down some sparring partners where they're going to have to, you know, stay isolated. So um, just in case they don't get co or if they get COVID, they're not going to give it to me. I want them to make sure that they're, you know, they're staying isolated for the camp and it's just, it's all work from there, man. It's just all work and we just got to, remain healthy and, and stay healthy so that way you know there won't be any more setbacks you know as you look forward you talk about the 130 pound division you know it, it's natural to start thinking of, of politics that coming into play that you know the top fighters not necessarily aligned with golden boy or with your side of the proverbial street uh do you worry about that at all as you think about you know getting into those big fights I don't worry about that at all anymore. Uh, the reason is because I got uh, my new advisory, MTK, and I also got Golden Boy Promotions. Um, we all, we're all on the same term now, man. I, I'm glad that I was able to get rid of the, the, the fake people around me, and, I, and now I got a real team and a real solid foundation where we're all on the same page now. We're all focused on, on one goal, and that's to showcase my talents and to be the best at 130. So uh, they're, they're all willing to, you know um, – agree to any terms that the promotional companies are, are, are going to offer. We're all, we're all, we're all, we're all very mindful and we're all very uh, open-minded and really want to make these fights happen because like I said, it's, it's what I want and it's what they want as well. And I want to, I want to make sure that at the end of the day and at the end of my career, people know me as me finding the best uh, at their primes. Mm -hmm. What's your relationship with Golden Boy like right now? I mean, we saw the Canelo stuff go down with the company. I know you were frustrated uh, on social media a little bit uh, during this pandemic. Uh, how would you describe your relationship with them right now? Um, our relationship is 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 stable now. Uh, it's very stable now. I mean, before back then, I, we were having a little bit of uh, ups and downs and miscommunications. I feel like I wasn't getting the the advertisement or getting branded or getting marketed as much as I should have 
uh, with the talent that I have. And um, it was just it was just frustrating. I feel like they weren't, you know, giving me the fights that I needed, uh, putting me on, 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 on some shows. But now I feel like uh, we're all on the same page. And at the end of the day, I know it's a business, and I, I got to make sure I take it as a business. So, like I said, it's, it's stable now, and, and we're good, and we're all on the same page. And I feel like uh, things are going to start looking on the bright side now. All right, so you believe you're the number one guy at 130 pounds. If that, if you're number one at 130, who's number two? Number one at 130, uh, I'm number one at 130. I say number two is Miguel Pichet. Mm-hmm. After Miguel Pichet, I feel like Javante Davis is uh, number three at uh, 130. I, because Javante Davis, he only fought one or two fights at 130, so I can't say he's the, he's the best at 130. He's more stronger at 135 because he gains a lot of weight. Um, and number four, I feel like Jamal Herring is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are those are guys you clearly are targeting to fight then oh absolutely i want i want to fight all these guys man because mm-hmm. like i said these guys are, are 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 champions they're solid fighters but like i said I, I feel like my resume and the people that i fought are much much uh t- are much much we're much much tougher and i feel like i'm not getting the recognition that i should be and at the end of the day it's all good man it's all gravy it's all gonna it's all gonna show once i fight them the the experience kind of like how Canelo Alvarez has man Canelo Alvarez has that experience of fighting nothing but the best they might have not been at their primes but just the experience that those fighters had made Canelo and turned Canelo and 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 um cropped them into the person that he is now man Canelo is a beast because of all the experience that he's been through and all the fighters that he's been through and that's exactly how I feel man I fought five world champions uh already in my uh, five or six world champions to be exact already uh, under my resume that people don't even know of man uh, Andrew Concio, Rene Alvarado, Jesus Ross, Gary Russell Jr., Tevin Farmer. I feel like my 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 resume is 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 something that people are 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 not you know really going into depth and not really seen but like I said at the end of the day it's 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 all gravy once I get these big names it's going to all show inside that ring. Yeah, no, no question. It's not rocket science, right? Like you fight the big names, you beat the big names, you become a big star. It's kind, it's of, kind of the way it goes in boxing. <laughs> exactly, and and that's what I, and that's what I'm willing to do, man. Like I said, I don't want to, you know, try to be a big name by fighting a guy two weight classes below me and me knock him out and then just have like a, a, a highlight reel. I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I I fight guys that are are my weight class and that are at their primes and that are at, at are champions at my weight. For that way, people can have more respect for me because I want I want respect on my name. No, and 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 that's great. I mean, that's you know, it's refreshing. We're start, we're actually starting to hear that more from young guys like you and you know Teofimo Lopez speaks that way. Hell, Ryan Garcia, you know, on January second, your stablemate at Golden Boy, gonna be back fighting. I think what is his toughest test to date against Luke Campbell? That's something that. Well, what, let me ask you that. What do you think of that fight? I think it's a good fight, man. I like Ryan Garcia a lot, man. Me and Ryan, uh, I I seen Ryan grow up in the amateurs, and um, when I, I was, you know, with Golden Boy, he was barely coming up. We were always hanging out. We actually uh, went to Shakey's one time. Me, me and uh, my family, his family, I bought him some pizza, and we were just talking like, "Damn, man!" He's like, "Man, bro, I can't wait. One of these days, I'm a I'm gonna become a a superstar and stuff." And there he is, man. He's uh, he did a, a very very good job promoting himself, and he's getting better better every single fight he's getting more I feel like he's getting gaining more confidence but not not just that I feel like he's focusing more on his techniques now and uh mm-hmm. I think the fight with uh, Luke Campbell I think he's gonna knock out Luke Campbell I think uh, Luke Campbell is gonna get caught 
with uh, Ryan's check hook. Uh, Luke Campbell, he drops his jab a lot. When he shoots his left hand, he always drops his jab. He always drops his jab. And I think Ryan Garcia is just going to time that and catch him. Yeah, it's, I mean, that would be something. That would be a, a step-up type of, of win for Ryan Garcia, no question. Now, and just to finish up, as far as you go, what's your, what do you hope your 2021 looks like? I mean, Ryan, you know, to use Ryan as an example, he likes to just list his hit list, basically, whether it's, you know, Luke Campbell, then it's uh, Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney. If you had your way, what does JoJo Diaz's 2021 hit list look like? So my hit list on 2021 is, you know, obviously fighting this Russian guy, uh, getting him out the way, my mandatory. And then once I fight this mandatory, I want to go after unified unification. I want to fight the winner of Jamal Herring or Carl Frampton. Once I get uh, the winner of uh, Carl Frampton or Jamal Herring, I want to get uh, a fight with Abner get an Abner Mattis fight to bring in the fans and to get, get uh, more of an attraction. And after that fight with Abner Mattis, then I want to go after a mega fight with Javante Davis. Mm -hmm. Did you feel, you mentioned earlier that like, you know, you needed to remove some people from your situation. Do you feel there's less distractions with you now? I mean, what is that, what is doing that done for you? Um, it's le less distractions, but also it's, uh, it, cle it cleared my mind. Um, I feel like now that I, I, I don't have that type of, uh, you know, negative energy around me. Um, I don't have any, that much stress anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm more, I'm more relaxed. I'm more in a positive spirit and I'm more happy now. I mean, um, w when you're dealing with a lot of, uh, negativity and with a lot of, uh, people that aren't, are said that they're for you and, and they're against you, uh, there's a lot of that could happen because your mind is not fully, you know, focused on what, on, on, on what you should be doing. And, and, and there's a lot of distraction right there because of all the negativity and all the built up. But now that I have all that already situated and I mean, there's still, there's always going to be some people that you got to see and then, you know, get rid of when the time comes. But now that I feel like I got the, I got the big guys out the way, I feel like I'm, I'm more, I'm more happy and I'm more relaxed and, I'm more comfortable and I'm more confident in, in, in uh, where my career is going to go now. I, I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't confident. I was kind of clueless on, on emails and shit like that, where I, I, I didn't even know where my career was going and what the hell was going to happen. But now that I have people that are, are for me and that are fighting for me, um, I feel like now I know exactly where I'm going to be going in my career and how, how I need to take down. And now it's all about me. It's all about me putting in that work. Uh, training every day and staying grounded and, uh, you know, taking care of business inside that ring. Are you worried at all about this lawsuit? I mean, I think a lot of us read about it this week where your former manager is alleging some things. Does that worry you? No, I'm not, I'm not worried at all. At the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's something that my, man, my, my ex-manager and my advisors now MTK are going to be dealing with. Um, my main focus is just, you know, to go in that ring and to showcase my talents. I mean, there's all, there's going to be people that are, that are that are just greedy that are just going to you know try to just take money just take money for for your name and not even you know putting in the work the, the work that you're doing and they just want to take the percentage of 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 what of the success that you're bringing to the table but now at the end of the day I just like I said I'm just my main focus is just focusing on the fight all that other baloney is just nonsense I feel like I feel like it's just um uh, a public stunt that they're trying to do. I feel like it's not going to be any, any effect in this. So there's not going to, there's not going to be, um, there's not going to be anything towards that, that is going to affect me in my career. I think that now that I got everything situated, uh, things are looking on the bright side. And so 
I'm not worried about it at all. Definitely. First up in 2021 is Rakimov. Hopefully some other good fights coming your way throughout the rest of that year as well. Jojo, you're always entertaining inside and outside the ring, my man. Uh, good to see you and uh, looking forward to being at your fight in February. February 13th, headlining on zone Should be a good night. Thank you, Chris. You guys have a good one. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.